Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. It's not every day you... Uh, change values for the church and you want to um, know for sure that you want to change the values. I think for us, coming out of the previous season, we just realized, you know, the pandemic caused us to really ask some big questions out of, you know, what do we want our church to look like in 10 to 20 years? What does Jesus want his church to be? what we found is we need less of our words and more of his words. The next 5, 10, 20 years, we want to look more like the church that he's called us to be. And so by sitting down and rethinking our values, the thing that we wanted to ask ourselves was, what has God been doing? How has he been doing it? And what might he want to be doing in the future? And could we reimagine our values not from the perspective of what sounds good in our minds but in the values and the principles in which he's been building his church so by just taking a look at scripture it kind of allowed us to see the principles in which God wants us to build his church the guardrails so to speak that are going to allow us to run well into the future and know that we're not just hitting what we think we should hit but be in the place where Jesus wants us to be as a church. In revamping our values, is a question of what does God want us to be in? And what, are, what have been some of the real strengths that have principled strengths that have contributed to us being a church over the last number of years? The first value that we wanted to make sure was just instilled in it and continues to be instilled within our church is the value of humility. Humility is interesting because sometimes we think it means self-deprecation, but as a community, humility is the balance towards holding all of these phenomenal truths that God has given us. To hold deep truth with an air of understanding that we're still broken. Jesus is described in Philippians as like being God and yet human at the same time and he demonstrates humility throughout his entire walk the ways of Jesus show us that God himself holds this divine truth with a level and measure of grace that we ought to have in our own lives and so our first value humility and being humble just means like look around humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less and the verse that we chose to choose was out of Matthew 23, 11 to 12. The greatest among you will be your servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's not being so humble and falsely humble that we don't hold great truths in a difficult society or context to hold them, but it's holding these truths in a way that allows people to see Jesus in us. And uh, we really believe that this is going to usher our church into the future that God has us, has for us. I'm really excited about that.
Well, hey, online community, uh, it is Nate here. Excited to be chatting with you guys today. Uh, I'm really excited for what we're gonna be doing here today. So we're actually kicking off our new value series uh, online a little bit early. This is like an exclusive preview, a sneak peek. Uh, so if you're tuning in live online right now, you're actually getting the start of our value series one week before we kind of launch it across our whole church. Uh, if you're tuning in on demand, then you're getting it at the normal time. You're like, what are you talking about? It was just this past Sunday and now it's online as normal. Yeah, you're getting it normal, but if you're uh, tuning in live online, you're getting it a little bit early. Uh, and that's actually because we have a really cool thing happening. We have a guest speaker, Jason Ballard, uh, who's come to speak at our Waterloo locations uh, uh, this Sunday before I'm recording this, uh, depending on what you're seeing this. If you're watching live right now, the Sunday that you're seeing this, we have uh, Jason Ballard speaking in our Waterloo locations. And so we want to make sure that you guys who tune in online got to hear that message as well. So what we're doing is we're speaking this message, the first of our new value series that we're going to be kicking off uh, right now. And then uh, you're going to be seeing Jason Ballard's message live online uh, next week. So you have a chance to watch that. It'll also be up on demand this week and it's going to be great. So I'm excited to jump into it. Basically, here's what's happening. The value series, I think there might actually be like a new name for it that's going to be coming up. Uh, it'll probably be like titled on this video or something as well. Uh, that's a little bit more catchy than the value series. But basically, we've taken some time over the last little bit as a lead team here at Slate to really dive in and unpack what are our values as a church? How do we want to actually be and act as a church? And through that process have come up with this new set of values that we really wanna be embodying as a community. Uh, and we're gonna be taking the next few weeks to actually break those down and present them uh, in messages to our church, speaking out of scriptures, out of the Bible, around uh, where we're drawing these values from, why we've chosen them as, hey, what we want to be embodying as a church, uh, and kind of making sure that we can all get on the same page with this. Um, I want to start off today uh, by kind of breaking down a little bit of like how we got here, what the process was of uncovering these values. Um, I think it's really important for us to understand this and to understand why this series is so important for each and every one of us. At the end of the day, the values of our church, what we say we value, how we want to be, how we want to operate as a community, as a church, um, that actual like the, the actual effectiveness, the, the true um, um, how, how our values are being outworked is actually not um, determined by Pastor Brandon and Emma and how they're carrying out the values entirely. It's not just determined by our lead team or maybe anybody who has a, a you know a specific uh, people leadership position in our church or our local leaders or our worship team. Um, it's actually the average of our entire community. Our whole church comes together to actually determine uh, how we're actually carrying out and embodying what we value as a church. And that's why it's so important for us to take some time to really stop, to pause, to unpack these values, to make sure that each of us is actually understanding why these are values of our church, uh, why this is actually important, things that we care about, and making sure that we're actually living this out. It allows us to hold each other accountable. If you see me not living out one of these values, you can call me out on it. Today I'm talking about humility, that we are humble as a value. You can be like, Nate, you're kind of being a little arrogant, not so humble here. You can call me out. It's good. Uh, and it also allows all of us to strive after this together, to grow together, and to set this culture together as a community. So I'm excited to jump into it. You know, with our values, we um, really took a look at where our church is at. Um, you know, Pastor Brandon and Emma brought together their leadership team, our lead team here at Slate, and basically said, hey, like, 
you know, God's been doing a lot in each of us and in our community as a whole over the last four and a half years of our existence. And we set up some values at the beginning of our life as a church. Um, but honestly, looking at them now, I think, you know, they're still good values, but maybe they aren't exactly, you know, with everything we've learned and the way we, ways we've grown, exactly how we want to be presenting ourselves or exactly the biggest priorities. Um, and as well, looking at some of those values, some of them have even been taken out of context, uh, you know, and kind of misused in different seasons of our church and kind of felt this need for a refresh of saying, hey, here is how we want to be as a church. And so we're going to be talking about vision in a little bit as well uh, with our church, which is what we're doing as a church. But right now we're pausing to talk about how we are as a church, how we act, how we uh, interface with one another, what we value so that 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 will last across everything that we do as a community. And so Pastor Brandon and Emma got us together, kind of shared some of this, and we took some time out of what God has been doing in us, out of what we've been learning in scripture, what God has been teaching uh, the individuals on that team and our whole church, and really unpacked, hey, what do we see ourselves valuing as a church? What's going really well? What's healthy here that we actually want to keep and maintain and say, yes, that is really good, and we want to continue to see that? Uh, Is there anything, gaps that we're seeing that we want to, you know, say like, actually, you know, there's something we need to value even more? And we came up with this set of values. So today, I'm going to be starting with the value of humility. And kind of how we got there is we we worked on these values. We pulled from scripture. We pulled from a personal prayer, from our experience. And afterwards, it was interesting. We were looking and uh, saw this quote that said that uh, described Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This discourse that Jesus gives to his disciples and this larger crowd uh, in Matthew chapters 5 and 6, where he, he really speaks about his kingdom, what his kingdom is, what it looks like, this kingdom of God, God, and he breaks it down, his kingdom, what does it mean, what does it look like. Uh, he talks really practically and clearly about how, uh, how we live within this kingdom, uh, what the values of that kingdom are. And I saw this thing that said that the Sermon on the Mount is actually like, the values of the kingdom. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, curious. Like, let's go check that out. And so we took a look and 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 looked at Matthew and like we're really kind of blown away and excited in the ways that so much of what Jesus says in this part of the Bible that can be kind of called, you know, Jesus breaking down the values of his kingdom, how much that aligned with the values that God had put on our heart for our church. And so we're going to be using a bunch of different scripture throughout this series, but you're often going to see us coming back to the Sermon on the Mount and some of these kingdom values and breaking down how they apply to these values that we've chosen as a church um, and kind of how our values actually tied back into uh, the values of God's kingdom as a whole uh, and understanding that uh, together in this process. So I want to start off with humility, with we are humble as a value for our church, because interestingly enough, that's where Jesus starts off. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 11, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he immediately jumps in speaking on humility. It opens with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who understand their own flaws, their own brokenness, who understand their place before God. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He goes on. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to come before you right now, Lord God, and to actually uh, honestly just be able to, to speak from your scriptures and from your truth and what you've put in this word, Lord God. I thank you that you have revealed yourself, your character, and the values of your kingdom, Lord God, to us. And I pray right now that as we unpack these beatitudes, these blessings, Lord God, that, 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 that Jesus, your son, laid out for us, that we would just get a deeper understanding of what it means to truly be humble in your definition, God, that you would just speak to us about what that means for us as individuals and for us as a church, and that you would just use uh, uh, your words and your scripture and your Holy Spirit speaking through this message, Lord God, to actually continue to spur us forward in humility as a church. Pray this in your name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to jump back into unpacking that a little bit more in a second. But before I unpack a bit more of uh, these Beatitudes, which is what I just read, it's this sort of um, poetic opening that Jesus has to this sermon or this message on a mountain that he delivers to uh, this large crowd of people and his disciples. And uh, these Beatitudes, which really means like the blessings, essentially, because they all start with blessed are, blessed are. Um, these beatitudes, this kind of poetic opening, it really speaks to this idea of humility in the kingdom of God and overall kind of gives a bit of an encapsulation of Jesus' message uh, and at how his kingdom works. And so we're going to break that down a bit more. But I want to start off today by kind of talking about what humility isn't. So before I get into what humility is, kind of how Jesus is breaking it down here, I want to highlight some of what humility isn't. And I think this is a really good thing for some of us Canadians especially to understand. So the first thing, humility is not standing on nothing. Humility is not standing on nothing. You know, I think that in our modern culture, and our modern society, there's this kind of temptation to see humility as denying the existence of truth entirely. Everything is subjective. I'm not going to take any strong stands. I'm not going to take any strong positions. I'm not going to say that there's anything firm that I believe in or I stand on. The greatest value is simply tolerance. I'm just going to tolerate, and that is what humility means. I, I, I saying I, I never know anything. I never have any clear truth. There is nothing firm or solid to stand on. That is humility. I think that comes from this kind of uh, idea of like that truth is only in ourselves. It's funny, I was at Disney recently. My wife and I went on a trip. Yep, just the two of us, no children, went on a Disney trip. It was great. Uh, don't judge us. But we went on this Disney trip. It was super fun. I'm not self-conscious about it at all. And uh, it was interesting. Like, one of the fireworks shows that we were watching, there's, like, these voice notes, like, cut into it and, like, like supposed to be inspiring. And it's like, the magic is in you. And it's interesting. I was kind of reflecting on it. I'm like, oh, wait, is it, though? I think so much of our pop culture, so much of our music, of our movies, of our discussions, even in um, uh, classrooms and different spaces, goes to this idea that the magic is in us, that goodness is in us, truth is in us, that our desires are actually the most important thing in the world. Whatever we desire, whatever we believe to be true is all that matters. And there's not an objective truth. And when that's the case, when the magic is in us, what happens is we have no reverence for anything but our own desires. We have no reverence 
no respect, no awe, no wonder for anything except for our own desires. And we're going to be breaking this down a bit more in a couple weeks with another one of our values when Jesus goes on uh, in Matthew here in the Sermon on the Mount to talk about the fulfillment of the law and say that he did not come to abolish the law, but he actually came to fulfill them. We're going to be breaking down some of this truth and the importance of that truth a little bit later on. But I think it's important for us to understand right now that when we have this magic is in us mindset, we actually get into a place where humility with that mindset, humility just means not standing up for any truth, not standing for anything, not holding on to anything tightly, but always being deferential to others' truth, others' opinions, others' uh, what is inside of them. And I think that that is actually not biblical humility. As we're going to see in a couple weeks, there is truth in this world. There's objective truth. Jesus has a lot of objective, hard truths that he delivers in the Sermon on the Mount. He is declaring the coming of a new kingdom that is real and is tangible and matters. And we need to stand on that truth. Humility is not standing on nothing. Humility is also not self-pity. There's a really great quote often attributed to C.S. Lewis. Uh, that I found out this week is actually not said by C.S. Lewis, but is said by Rick Warren. Um, and the cool thing is, as I was Googling this, looking for C.S. Lewis saying it, I found a great C.S. Lewis quote that I'm going to use a little later. So we'll get to that. But Rick Warren, he's a pastor in the States, and his book, A Purpose-Driven Life, has this quote, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's turning our gaze away from ourselves and around to others. See, the thing is, pride and insecurity are two sides of the same coin. Our pride and our boasting ourselves up and our insecurities all come from this place of self-centeredness, of focusing in on ourselves. And humility is not think, it's not walking around like a bunch of Eeyores, all sad all the time, or just self-pitying ourselves constantly, but it's actually looking up and away from ourselves and looking out and understanding that there's a God who is greater and more important and more worthy of our gaze and our attention. And by focusing on him, we actually find peace in ourselves. Humility is not standing on nothing. It's not self-pity. And it's not always talking about how humble we are. And this one is for the Canadians especially. I feel like in Canada, we have this very specific brand of false humility, of an outward humility of like, oh, I'm just like so humble and self-deferential that we kind of put on all the time. For me, I kind of had it recently um, when I had this moment uh, where, okay, it's kind of ridiculous, but I was sitting in Tim Hortons, I was reading a book and a guy came up to me and was just like, hey, like, has anyone ever told you before that like you just look so much like Chris Hemsworth? And here's the thing. I don't think I'm like a terrible looking person, but like I know I don't look like Chris Hemsworth. Like I know for a fact I do not look like Chris Hemsworth. And this guy was just hamming it up. He's like, yeah, man, like I did a double take when I walked in here. I couldn't believe it. I was like, is Chris Hemsworth sitting in this Tim Hortons? I was like, no, you didn't. Is this a prank show? Is there a camera somewhere? But at the same time, it still kind of felt good to hear. And I was like walking away afterwards. I was like, maybe I do kind of look like Chris Hemsworth. I don't, I don't know. I'm like looking in the mirror in my car and I get home and I go to Emily and I totally do the false humility thing. I'm like, yeah, it's like this guy at Tim Horace today. He said like the craziest thing, like it's totally not true. And I don't think it's like real at all. Like I must've been on a prank show. <laughs> and I do this whole false humility dance. I'm like, yeah, you like, 
You know, he said I look like Chris Hemsworth. I'll be honest, my hope in that moment is that my wife was going to say, no, babe, you don't just look like Chris Hemsworth. You look like the hotter version of Chris Hemsworth. Like, you're even cuter than Chris Hemsworth. I, like, that's kind of what I was hoping in my heart. The prideful side of me is like, maybe I do. And she just laughed. She just immediately laughed. It was exactly what I needed in that moment. It humbled me a little bit, put me in my proper place. But this is this false humility we sometimes have as Canadians. And I really love this C.S. Lewis quote from Mere Christianity uh, that came up when I was searching for the Rick Warren quote that I thought was his that speaks to this idea of false humility really well. He says, Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in you and what you said to him. If you do dislike him, it will be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. If anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. If you, if you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. I think in Canada, we have to be careful of thinking that humility is something we should be talking about and focusing on all the time when the reality is true humility isn't thinking about humility at all, not even thinking about ourselves at all. But what I like about Canada is that we still care about humility a little bit. See, I think in most of our world, and with an increasing number of Canadians, people have stopped caring about humility whatsoever. I found this as I was Googling for this series and Googling for this message, and I was doing some research and looking around like what different secular articles and stuff said about humility. And all of it was like, yeah, there's this weird ancient practice of humility that, you know, we often think of as a bad thing, but might actually be good. And I'm like, what? I grew up in Canada. Everybody has to be humble all the time. It's like our thing. We always got to pretend that we're so humble, even when we're not. But what I love is that in so much of our world, people have stopped caring about humility at all, stopped even placing it as a virtue we should aspire to. And I believe in Canada, we still care about this. We still believe in it. We still understand the value of humility. And it is something that is so core to Jesus' message, to his kingdom, to the way that his kingdom actually works, that I believe that as Canadians, as a church in Canada, we have an opportunity to capitalize on humility, to capitalize on this part of our culture, to actually look at the biblical definition of humility, to understand it, to get it deep within us, to seek Jesus and have, us, and have him transform us into more humble people, that we might actually be a voice that we can actually hold fast to the truth of Christianity. We can hold fast to the ways and words of Jesus. We can hold fast even to the tough and challenging and tricky and difficult truths of scripture that upset people in our society today. But we can do it not in a way that is just bold and brash and prideful and thinking that we're better than everybody else, but we can do it in a way that is different, that's gentler, that's meeker, that's an example of what holding firm to the truth of Scripture, the ways and words of Jesus, actually looks like. And we see this value is all over Scripture. It's something worth embodying. Proverbs eleven twelve: When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. 
In Isaiah 57, 15, God speaking, and he says, I dwell in the high and holy place, but also with he was of a contrite, understanding our own brokenness, a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. We see it in Jesus saying, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So I want to take a minute right now and then look at these beatitudes, these blessings that we see at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, these explanations of kingdom value and look at the way humility is weaved throughout them and what these beatitudes actually say about what godly kingdom humility looks like. It's interesting. There's this kind of natural progression to the humility that's really cool and we're going to kind of unpack here, but I want to start with this. Humility is the natural starting point of our relationship with God. See, in that moment of accepting salvation, of accepting the free gift that God has given us by Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, paying the price for our sins, taking on the punishment that we rightly deserve for our bad actions, by just accepting that gift, that's actually an act of humility. It's actually us saying that, hey, we are the poor in spirit. We are the ones who acknowledge our own brokenness, acknowledge our own mistakes, acknowledge our imperfections and don't have them all figured out yet. Don't have them all solved. Don't have them all taken care of, but are coming before God and saying, I know that I'm poor in spirit. I have a contrite and lowly heart. I'm coming before you and humbling myself, God. That is what it means. That is what we're actually doing when we say that prayer and we accept Jesus, when maybe you've raised your hand in a service to make that decision. It's actually an act of humility. This is where we see the Beatitudes start. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, to have a relationship with the almighty God of the universe, this perfect creator as sinful beings, uh, the one thing it takes from us is actually accepting the gift, which is to say it takes us humbling ourselves before God, coming to him with reverence and respect, with awe and wonder, acknowledging our own brokenness. And in that, we inherit the kingdom. See, humility what it is, it's the starting point of a relationship with God. Humility is also a defining characteristic of the kingdom of God. Something I've talked about a little bit already, but I believe that these beatitudes, these blesseds that Jesus breaks down in Matthew chapter 5 at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount here, I believe that they are not just like a bunch of instructions that we need to follow, but they're actually defining the way God's kingdom actually works. It's not just something we need to follow, although I think everything talked about here are things to actually be seeking after in so many different ways. But it's actually saying this is how God's kingdom works. You see, there's God's kingdom and there's the world. And when Jesus came, he actually announced the coming of this new kingdom, this new way of working, this new way of being. And when he comes back again later on, that and our world is going to be totally enmeshed. But right now, there it's like we're in this kind of middle period called the already not yet. It's Jesus already came, but it's not yet fulfilled in its fullness. But the kingdom has started to come. And so we see there's almost this overlap right now of the kingdom and of our world. And things work differently. In our world, the poor in spirit are often trampled on and thrown out. And, you know, you have to build your own brand and puff yourself up on LinkedIn and do all this stuff to have a, the right kind of social media presence to get the right kind of job that you want. But in the kingdom of heaven, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, 
what we're seeing here is actually a declaration of how God's kingdom actually is. And the cool thing is that we're beginning to overlap. And what's really exciting for those of us who have made a decision to follow Jesus, who have humbled ourselves, who have been the poor in spirit before God, admitting our wrongdoing and accepting the free gift of salvation that he gives us, what we see is that we actually are part of, of almost like ambassadors to that kingdom in our world today. See, our world might still be jacked up. It might still be messed up. There might still be so much brokenness and pain and hurt and, and wrongdoing and things might not work as we see the Beatitudes defined here uh, 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 in our world today. But in us, this is the kingdom that we live by. In us, when we are poor in spirit, we will inherit the kingdom of heaven. For us, when we've accepted Jesus, when we mourn, we will be comforted because we have God with us. When we are meek, when we are weak, when we are gentle, we will inherit the earth because we know that God has greater plans for us in eternity. See, we actually get to be a part of the coming of this kingdom and we get to declare it and model how this kingdom actually works to the world around us. So humility is a starting point of a relationship with God. Humility is a defining characteristic of the kingdom of God. And humility draws us towards righteousness. We see this cool build and arc in the Beatitudes where it starts with us, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's our relationship with God to start. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. And in this progression, we see it work towards that hunger and thirst for righteousness and fulfillment. We're poor in spirit. We're humble before God. We accept his gift of salvation. We mourn. We look around and we see the brokenness in the world for what it is as members of this new kingdom. And we actually mourn that and find comfort in God. We're meek. We're gentle. We've already admitted our own mistakes and wrongdoing. We've seen the brokenness in the world and in our own lives. And it leads us to this posture of meekness and gentleness and, and, and actually uh, uh, of interacting with the world in a new and different way. And out of that, we get to a place where we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Looking around the earth, seeing the brokenness in it, taking on this gentle posture, we see what it means to actually hunger and thirst for righteousness, to seek for God's will to be done in the world around us. And that's kind of the going up part. So see, humility draws us towards righteousness. But humility also goes both up and out. That first half really talks about our relationship with God, but as we continue on, it begins to move more into how once we, uh, as we seek God humbly, what happens uh, out of that with the world around us. Blessed are the merciful, showing mercy to others. Blessed are the pure in heart for who are holding on to, to what God is doing. Blessed are the peacemakers, we're actually making peace in the world around us. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Humility is the starting point of a relationship with God. It's a defining characteristic of his kingdom. It draws us towards righteousness. It goes both up and out. It's not just in our place with God. I think a lot of Christians think, okay, I'll be humble before God, but I'm gonna be Bible thumping to the world around me. It's actually how we interact with our world as well. And humility leads to suffering. This last one's not sexy. It's not an exciting point to hear, but humility does lead to suffering. Verse 11 says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, 
because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, I think sometimes we can talk about something like humility, but we really only want to value that to a point. Because unfortunately, and I wish I could tell you something different, the natural conclusion of a humble, gentle posture in our world, in our broken world, is we're probably going to be taken advantage of. We're probably going to be mistreated. We're probably going to be used and our generosity and our charity and our love for others is probably going to be disrespected and we're going to be downtrodden because of it. But I can tell you today that we have a greater hope. The kingdom of God is humble and our hope is not in the kingdoms of this world. It's not in political power. It's not in uh, the wealth we can gain for ourselves here today. Our hope needs to be in eternity, in our continued life with Jesus. And we can actually have a humble posture, knowing that we can actually be uh, lights showcasing the beauty of God's coming kingdom, that we can actually make a difference in our world today for eternity by taking on this posture. But it does mean we might have to suffer. It does mean that we need to hold on to humility even when we're being pushed beyond our limits, even when we're being taken advantage of, even when it's not comfortable. I want to take a minute right now it's kind of always weird ending on a note like that, but I want to take a minute right now for anybody here today that is tuning in and has never made a decision to follow Jesus before. I know that you might be like, dude, I don't really want to suffer. I don't know. You've made a pretty bad sales pitch, but it also says that if you're feeling weak, if you're mourning, you will be comforted. It says in here that if you're weak, if you're meek, if you're gentle, you will inherit the earth. It says, if you're hungry and thirsting for righteousness, if you want to see goodness happen, you will be filled. And I believe that for some people tuning in here today, this is your moment and your opportunity to actually embrace this gift, to admit that you're poor in spirit, that you've made mistakes, that you need salvation, to surrender yourself before God and say, God, I want to make a decision to follow you right now and accept this free gift of salvation that you've given me. So if you're with others, why well, don't you close your eyes, bow your heads, but we're going to take a moment right now. I just encourage you, if you want to make that decision, just raise your hand. Uh, maybe you're doing that in your living room or wherever you are. There's also a button in the chat if you're tuning in live where you can click raise my hand uh, and just kind of declare it there. But this is just a way of actually outwardly confirming to yourself and, uh, and saying, hey, you know what? I want to make this decision to follow Jesus. I want to pray with you today. God, I thank you for everyone making a choice to follow you today, Lord God, to accept your free gift of salvation, of eternal life, of, of reconciliation for our sins and our brokenness. I just thank you for this bold act of humility that people are making, Lord. And I just pray that you would be, continue to be with them along this journey, that you would just strengthen them and grow them as they move forward. In your name, amen. And now I just want to take a second and pray for uh, anybody else here today who's just saying, man, I just need another dose of humility. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's pride in our lives. Maybe it's insecurity. Uh, whatever it is that we're struggling or we're dealing with. For anybody here today, today is like, okay, I just need to humble myself a little bit more. Maybe that's before God. Or maybe you're humble before God, but you've been struggling to be humble before man. To actually bring the truths of scripture that you so deeply believe to others in a way that is loving and humble and, uh, and, and that is in a gentle manner to the people around us. I want to take a second and just pray for you right now. My hand's up in this one. It's something I struggle with on both sides of it all the time. 
And let's just pray together. God, I just thank you that you love us so much that what you outline here, Lord God, is not something that we have to strive to do in order to earn your favor, to earn your love, Lord Jesus, but that it's actually just part of how your kingdom works and who you are, that you are gonna continue to grow us and strengthen us uh, and actually make us more humble, Lord God. You're gonna reshape our desires as we continue to surrender before you. So right now in this moment, God, we surrender. We bring ourselves before you. We just pray that you would move inside of us. You would shape us. You would transform us. You would bring us new depths of humility as we interact with the world around us. In your name, amen. Amen. Let's worship. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.